0: Well, sustainability in many companies can't just be a word that's thrown around for marketing purposes. I'm seeing most of our clients want to get toward is a position where sustainability is also going into their employees and becoming a mantra.
1: Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martellup, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. And if this is your first time listening, we just want to welcome you to the Kelly family. We just know your time is so valuable, and we're just really honored uh, that you decided to invest some of that time here with us um, and just want to make sure that everything you need is right here for you. So if you have a tough leadership decision you're wrestling with, if you know of a great guest for our show, or you just have an idea... And how we can better serve you, shoot us an email to ROIPOD. That's ROIPOD at IUPUI.edu. On today's episode, we are sitting down with Will Woldenberg, who is the founder and president of a company called Integrate, a management consulting and staff augmentation firm based in Philadelphia. He's also an IU Kelly School of Business MBA grad and taught by Phil during his time here at Kelly and a U.S. Army veteran. And Will, we just want to welcome you to the show and thank you so much for your service.
0: Thanks for having me, Matt.
1: So I want to start with uh, the conversation about sustainability. We hear about a lot of companies and organizations becoming, quote unquote, sustainable. So let's talk uh, and define what sustainable means to you and what your company is doing to meet that definition.
0: Well, sustainability in many companies can't just be a word that's thrown around for marketing purposes. I'm seeing most of our clients want to get toward is a position where sustainability is also going into their employees and becoming a mantra um, for their employees. To handle. It's not just having different recycling bins that are set up throughout the company. It's also focusing on the single-use plastics that are being utilized in the vending machines, and whether or not you end up cutting those out as part of snacks for the employees um, uh, to have available to them. You know, it's also the way in which their employees treat their work. Um, uh, are they using the right type of equipment that will end up leading to both a sustainable workforce and to a sustainable environment? Um, some of the companies that I've seen that have actually done this best um, have rolled it out as an overall organizational transformation initiative. Um, and when they talk about the values that the company espouses, um, you're typically seeing right now that the younger generations want sustainability to be at the front of the line.
1: So when you talk about sustainability, we're, we're boiling that down simply to an enrichment of life. Is that what I'm kind of uh, centering that on?
0: I think you're saying that, that especially the younger workforce is coming in want wants their, uh, their daily work to be a part of their life and not not the sole focus of their life. So while you know we use the term sustainable sustainability interchangeably with, uh, the environmental initiative, it's also the ability to work remotely. It's the ability to take your work home with you answering emails, you know, uh, throughout the course of the day, um, having one to two flex days that are possible. And that ends up building for an employee, an environment where they feel as though they can, uh, stay for a long period of time and thrive.
1: So how are you guys working to meet that goal for a lot of your employees and more importantly, you know, the companies that you're working to consult with?
0: Well, to give you an idea, one of our one of our most recent clients has gone to a um, unlimited vacation um, policy. And a lot of companies are going down that path. The challenge in many cases is what ends up happening after. So a company may end up implementing that policy and employees are very happy about it. But six to nine months down the road, our employees are employees actually taking the amount of vacation that they did before that policy was implemented? And is the quality of work suffering as a role as a result? of the policy that's been implemented. You know, in most cases, we're finding the answer to those questions is no. Um, the quality of work is still high. Um, employees may be taking less than k- vacation than they had beforehand, but they have the flexibility uh, to base it around uh, their wants and their desires. Um, but how we track that and how we bring that to the company's attention is, is sort of where, where our sweet spot lies. Well,
2: to take us deeper into Integrate. So you, you were in management consulting, Um and that's when you were getting your, also getting your Kelly MBA first with our online program. Talk about, as you envisioned Integrate, talk about that journey of carving out a niche in the consulting area, which is pretty competitive and pretty fragmented.
0: Yeah, so I, I certainly made the same mistakes as an entrepreneur that I think just about every young entrepreneur ends up making when they first join. Uh, the, the the business community. You know, you think you have a great product that you can end up marketing to just about anybody in the world. And then when you end up realizing very quickly is that if you don't end up focusing on a niche, if you don't end up segmenting yourself into one or two specific focus areas, people don't know what you stand for and who you actually are. And so it became very clear to myself after starting the company in the first year that I needed to scale back from having um, global ambitions as a very small company and instead, focus on being the best small company that I could that I could create. And so, we ended up um, uh, reducing some of our product offerings down to three core offerings: an organizational strategy and initiative implementation, and then an organizational change. And then, instead of saying that we could end up servicing all different sectors, we focused specifically on energy and nonprofits.
1: And so you're an Army veteran, uh, you know, you come back from from your service. And were you always born to be an entrepreneur? I mean, talk about your journey to getting to this place uh, where Integrate is born.
0: Well, my grandfather was one of the first Jewish pilots in the Air Force. Um, He had actually been um, enlisted in the Navy. And then they told him um, after he had taken some of his his tests that he was going to be going to the second best school in the world, which, you know, to a Navy person means that he was going to West Point. Uh, so they ended up sending him over to West Point. This was during the war years. And after he graduated and flew in the Air Force for about four years, he got out and realized that he wanted to be an entrepreneur. So he moved down to central Tennessee where he bought a, a small factory in an area called Clifton, Tennessee, and basically employed about half the town. I think there was about 700 people there and more than 350 people in the town worked at his company. And for about 45 years, um, he ended up making the Girl Scout uniforms and a lot of other um, uh, fashion that was in retail at the time. So that, that's that been in my blood. Um, and it was certainly something that I was thinking about when I um, when I got into the consulting world. My father is also an entrepreneur and has been a fin- financial um, advisor for more than 20 years. Um, so it's certainly something that is a part of me. But the decision to actually take that step is just like any other risk that or choice that you end up making in your life. Evaluating what's going to be the long-term uh, benefit for yourself and for your family and you know, after a while, it was it just became a calling for me, and I felt like it was something I had to seize on.
1: I want to talk about you know, as an entrepreneur, you have so many decisions that you have to make. Not only are you taking the risk, but being an entrepreneur, you're having to make decision after decision that ultimately each decision is going to impact the future of your business, including you know how you found as a company. As, as we've all learned in business uh, training or business schools, you have your LLCs, your C corps, your S corps, but you guys decided to found as a a B corp, B as in boy, which is something that's fairly fairly a new corporation entity to be able to uh, found under. So we'll talk a little bit about what a B corp is and why the, you guys decided to go that route.
0: Well, B Corp is very similar to other organizations, but the primary difference, if you look at the technical language, is that in your articles of incorporation, um, in most companies, it'll say that you shall act in the best interest of your shareholders. In most states, uh, the B Corp language allows those articles of incorporation to change to May. And what that means is that you can consider both shareholders and stakeholders. You can consider the environment as well as your product. You can consider supply and demand, but you can also consider the demands of the communities that you're serving. And that was important for me when I was considering what to do. You know, just to give you an idea and and why I ended up coming to this place, the previous company that I worked for, the previous consulting firm, it was a great company. You know, they had about 25 different uh, military veterans working at a company that was about 35, 30 people or so. And it was a great environment to be in, especially after getting out of the military, but at the end end of the day, when I ended up looking around the firm, I realized that, you know, for the most part, this, the, the groups that we were serving were all um, prior service military. And to me, my world was just a little bit bigger than that. And I needed to go out and be able to service both the veteran community, but also all the other communities in which I live in over in the Philadelphia area. Um, and um, starting as B Corp allowed me to do that.
1: As you have worked. This process, you know, there are many entrepreneurs out there who have a great idea. And the fact that you have mixed your own personal mission uh, in the sustainable mission uh, for Integrate, talk about the journey that it took and what some of the step by step processes were you followed to become a recognized, registered corporation.
0: Well, my, my journey to being an entrepreneur is kind of funny. There was a, a project I was working on at my previous company. Where you know it was just one of those projects where you were working day and night. I think I think over 31 consecutive days, I built something like 330 hours, you know, which averages out to be to be more than you know around 12 hours a day. So it was pretty brutal, including weekends. And um, I remember at the end of it, when I ended up submitting the final product and was going through our um, some of our testing, um, I ended up getting a phone call from our owner. He's like, "Hey, I, I think you did a great job on this." Everything went really well. I've added some extra money into your paycheck. And at the end of that, I ended up feeling really hollow from that because I had gotten kudos. I had gotten some additional money. And then I realized that I wasn't able to actually deliver the vision as my client was intending as I had wanted, uh, wanted to do in the beginning. And so for me, the only option at that point was to consider what I wanted out of the business. So I took a very methodical approach to starting my own firm. I spent another year at the firm, saved up enough money so that I could end up um, going without potential contracts at a level that I thought was appropriate compensation for um, more than a year. Um, My wife and I were both very ready for what that change was going to be. We also had a little one along the way. So it was making sure that our family was going to be ready for such a disruptive change in our world. And then by that time, I already knew what our core products were going to end up being. You know, the challenge once we ended up starting was making sure that we were we were getting in front of the right audience and the right decision makers while still navigating a tricky legal environment.
1: Can you get into some of the elements and specifics uh, with where where to even start? You know, so as an entrepreneur who's looking, he's got this amazing vision, got this awesome idea, yet they don't know where to start as far as making that a legally protected brand and legally protected uh, organization uh, to be able to start doing some of their business. So walk us through some of your journey and what you've learned in ultimately forming a B
0: Corp. Sure. Look, I, I think Kelly helped me immensely in this because by the time I was ready to start, I already knew all of the different incorporating entities. And I had already um, registered three different companies in Pennsylvania when I was just trying to see whether or not something would, would end up sticking. So even though Integrate is my, my fourth company, it was the only one that I devoted full-time effort to. Um, for, for other entrepreneurs that are looking to get into, into the market themselves, the incubator space is incredible and very welcoming. You know, so for the veteran space, there's Bunker Labs, and you can end up um, going to one in the community. But I would definitely recommend that anyone that anyone that's looking to get into space try and research with what different in, uh, incubators are in their area, because that'll help you learn about the what is a pretty complex state by state legal requirement to end up filing and deciding whether or not you want to be a C corp, a B corp, an S corp, or an LLC.
2: You know, as you're growing this business, you did the right thing. You, you you started to think about your niche. You made the decision to be a B Corp. But flipping that, you know, people, investors, or even business coaches sort of scratch their head at the B Corp. And your busy, biggest skeptics are very, say, well, why do you need this? You're diluting the concept of what it means to be a business, right? If you're a true business, the profit motive also is consistent with creation of, of social good. You know, a skeptic would ask, why, in your construction of the of the of your company, would you first of all tie your hands in terms of the multiple stakeholders that you now need to serve instead of just the stockholders? And also, why would you set yourself up to send a negative signal to the investment environment, since they, at minimum, they don't understand what be. Very few investors understand what a B Corp is.
0: Well, I, I think to anyone that that is a naysayer about the B Corp, especially on the on the stakeholders versus shareholder side is that they don't necessarily understand that every single organization needs to be looking at their stakeholders. You know, because in many cases, those will be either the future product owners and purchasers or they'll be the future referral sources. And positive relationships with them is really critical to having sustainable business. I think on, on the aspect of tying our hands, there's a very vibrant B Corp community state by state, and that's also underneath the B Corporation umbrella um, and the certifying body. But, you know, I've also found that there are many investors that are looking towards social good as a key platform before they end up um, providing uh, providing investment capital. We're actually working with a company here in the Philadelphia area called Mookrate that ends up um, producing apps for nonprofits. And, you know, when you first look at that sort of eCorp, you think, well, is, is this company going to be limited in terms of their profit margin? The answer is no, absolutely not. It's an unlimited. You know, for them, it is an untapped market that they have unlimited potential in, and the B Corp is a differentiation um, for uh, for them than for other uh, companies. So, I see that also as a positive marketing play that companies can use to show their their stakeholders a reason why they should end up purchasing their goods.
2: So, Will, beyond just sort of market signaling that you have a different type of value system in your company, what are other competitive advantages? of a B Corp status over your traditional business?
0: Yeah. So I I think one of the primary um, reasons to end up becoming a B Corp is that you have this international community that's being built of other B Corps that are looking to band together and create a sustainable economy. Um, And that just like any other um, social organization of companies, whether it's your chamber of commerces or your, your veterans business groups, um, Ends up binding these companies together based on this this shared declaration of interdependence that that we've all agreed to. You know this idea that, that we want to be the change that we seek in the world, and and quite frankly, you just don't see that in many cases with other um, CEOs or of, of of some other small businesses that we've had the chance to work with. So to me, that's a differentiator: the fact that we all want to work together. Um, in building this community of B Corps so that we can, we can create a force of social good. I do think there's also the potential for some um, legislation to end up happening. I know in previous, um, in previous sessions of Congress, there had been some B Corp, um legislation introduced on the federal side, and you know, we would look forward to something like that happening too. So this goes from being just a movement that's taking place in 30 states and around the world to actually happening throughout the country. And so I'd even say I've had individuals reach out to me through our website specifically because they learned that we were a B Corp. And these are this is young talent, graduating seniors with strong GPAs, people that I would love to work with that have all reached out to a company like mine simply because we are already a B Corp and working in the space.
1: How does a B Corp? protect itself from making profit the focus? Because, you know, a lot of organizations can say we're B Corp. We care about, you know, the, the, being sustainable. We make all these promises. Yet, if you really pull back all the curtains, the, the under underlying arching is we are still going to be profit focused. So talk about some, how does it guard, you know, organizations from allowing uh, their vision to be skewed in the wrong way?
0: Well, different states have different filing requirements so they can actually take a look at your at your financials to determine if you are meeting the intent that you had behind the company. In my case, we're over in Pennsylvania and we do have an additional filing requirement uh, as a B corp um for the state. But I think the bigger way of keeping um these B corps in general accountable is through the community. So for those that end up being certified as B corps then we have the opportunity to actually um, hold one another's position and make sure that when we say that we are going to live up to a commitment, that we're going to do it. So one example is this. Um, My company has decided that we are going to end up changing financial institutions. And the reason behind that is we're going away from one that is complete for profit and toward one that is a B Corp. And that's a goal that we determined at the beginning of the year. Every month, I get a reminder from the B Corp community to say, where are you in this goal? Because, you know, you have to do this by the end of the year. And if you don't, we're going to make sure that you're punished for it. So in my case, I am um, I'm, I make sure that the community is holding both myself and other companies uh, responsible for the commitments that we're making.
1: So, Will, as we look into the future, you know, of business, it's ever-changing. Uh, sustainability is becoming a big buzzword. It's no longer... People's identities, like you said earlier, are revolving around their career. Their career is just a subset of who the, who they are as an individual. And I really think a lot of people are trying to, instead of finding what's going to give me the biggest paycheck at the end of the day, they're trying to align themselves with an organization that what's going to align my value system with an organizational value system. So as you look into the future, with B Corps, how is that going to play into the future uh, for for organizations and our economy?
0: Look, I started this company because I wanted to do something more than just focus on profit. I wanted to find the purpose that was going to drive my life's work. And my whole goal when I was starting to, to form Integrate was to make sure that we were always going to end up balancing the profits that we make with the purpose for, to the community that we end up serving. I'm not the only one. And I think that's part of what makes the the B Corp community special is that all of the organizations that are a part of it have taken this pledge to ensure that we're not just focused on the profit, but we're also focusing on the people and the purpose of the company to create this broader structural change that we're looking for in the business community.
1: Will, just want to thank you so much for being our guest here on the ROI podcast. Again, Will Woldenberg, president and founder of Integrit, a management consultant and staff augmentation firm in Philadelphia, and also a U.S. Army veteran. Uh, Again, thank you for your service. Thank you for your time. um, And we just wish you the best. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. Here on our show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.